Truth Revolution. Welcome to Truth Revolution. This is where faith and reason meet. I'm Pastor Dave. That's Pastor Jeff. And we are from Revolution Church in Salina, Kansas. Hope you'll come on out and try us out this summer. We uh, we really appreciate you listening to the show, sharing on social media, telling your friends about Revolution Church, talking about Revolution Church, posting on our Facebook page, sending in questions. And, and all just, that other stuff. And I just come out to the church. You know, you just go. come visit yourself if you haven't been already. Right. Today we're talking about something called Christos, Christocentric view. Yeah. Or the, uh, yeah, the Christocentric view, the... Uh, the view through which we view the, the view through which we view the entire Bible. Um, <laughs> it's how we view the entire Bible. Even when you're looking at the Old Testament, um, it there's a, so many different things about Christ that's in the Old Testament that that they really didn't know until Christ actually came. You know, so okay. So I had a friend. Uh, you did one time. I did a long time ago. Uh, and he'd come to the church and he, he was one of the newer Christians in our congregation. He was a former Catholic mm-hmm. actually. Um, and he came here and we, we were working on some video stuff in the, in a room, putting up lights and whatnot. And he looks at me and goes, Hey, can I ask you a question? He says this church talking about revolution, right. you guys put a lot of focus on, on Jesus. I'm used to hearing more about Mary or others, but it seems like we focus on Jesus like all the time. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're starting to get it. Right. Right. And he stumbled across one of the big convictions of Anabaptists, which we are, we're Anabaptists, not anti-Baptists, it's Anabaptists. It's what our heritage is in our church. Uh, But part of the Bible being knit together, if you remember our crack acronym, Mm -hmm. the K stands for knit together, is understanding Christ throughout all of scripture. We see Jesus fingerprints everywhere. And not only do we focus on Jesus often and base our life on his teachings, we want to understand all of God's revelation by means of examining Christ's life. Amen. So the Bible has to be interpreted in light of the teachings and example of Jesus. That's a guy named Stuart Murray said that. The Bible must be interpreted in light of the teachings and example of Jesus. So, for example, a lot of people would be like, well, why did uh, the Old Testament this happen? And we cannot, let's say, wars, or let's say Abraham sacrificing, God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. Right. You cannot just look at the Old Testament by itself and understand what God was trying to communicate without knowing Jesus and his life. I can't look at Abraham and say, okay, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. Why would God do that? Until I look at the life of Jesus and I see God sacrificed his son in Jesus. And what we're talking about is a theological term called a type or shadow. Okay, so a shadow is like a fuzzy picture of the reality. Right. Right. The Old Testament contains a lot of shadows or types of a reality that's shown in the New Testament or will be shown in heaven. Right. These shadows are like real life metaphors. Picture an airplane flying over your head, Mm -hmm. but instead of seeing the airplane, all you see is a shadow on the ground. Right. You know, you see the wings, you see a big shadow. You can kind of see where the tail is and where the front is and what direction it's moving. You can know it's an airplane, but there's a lot of things you don't understand about it. 
You don't understand why it's there. You don't know where it's going. You don't know what color it is. You don't know what brand it is. You don't know what type of plane it is until you actually get your eyes off the shadow and onto the real plane. Amen. And once you look at the real plane, you can see, oh, wow, this is a Boeing 747. It's blue. It belongs to American Airlines. There, and you can see all sorts of things that you didn't see before about that. Okay, in the Old Testament, you have shadows. Abraham, sacrifice your son. And everyone freaks out. Why would God do that? Why would God say, Abraham, sacrifice your son? Well, they're looking at the shadow mm-hmm. and they don't understand what God was getting after. They're freaking out about a shadow but they haven't looked up. Look up to Jesus. God was sending you an example. Should you be freaked out that someone would sacrifice their son? Yes, right. you should be. You should be freaked out that God would sacrifice his son for you. Right. You know, the idea of Jesus dying on the cross didn't just happen 2,000 years ago in God's mind. The idea of Jesus being sacrificed on the cross was actually uh, came about in God's mind long before time ever, ever began. That's exactly right. A guy named William Estrep, uh, wrote a book called The Anabaptist Story, mm-hmm. and he says this. For all Anabaptists, the Bible was the only rule of faith and practice for, dis- uh, for discipleship and the church. Biblical revelation was held to be progressive. Progressive, that means it progressed. Mm-hmm. God revealed more and more as time goes on. The Old Testament was preparatory and partial, whereas the New Testament was final and complete. All of the scriptures, they insisted, must be interpreted Christological, that is, through the mind of Christ. You know, when I was growing up, my natural inclination was towards what we call the Bible's epistles, um, like, you know, the book of First Peter, Second Peter, things like that, or, uh, or even like the book of Romans. I mean, I thought these were the deep truths mm-hmm. of Christianity. They were complex topics. There was great debate about their meaning. Even the apostle Peter exclaimed about the apostle Paul's writings. He right. says, His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. And I like that. I wanted those things that were hard to understand. But, you know, those doctrinal texts, those things that are hard to say are good and they're helpful to the Christian life, but only, only if we understand that they're descriptive of or leading us to Christ. Amen. A lot of people read the Bible and try to just try to get knowledge and it doesn't lead them back to Christ. They've missed the entire point. They're not focused on Christ. They're just focused on their own brain. Absolutely. You know, too many people, okay, if you focus on one piece, you lose the point. I play trombone. Right. You can take that trombone apart. You could analyze the mouthpiece for a month, right? Wow, it's shaped like this. What material is it made out of? Is it nickel? Is it what a silver? Is it, you know, you just, what shape is it? What size? You could look at the slide. You know, how long is the slide? What's the, sh- the specific shape? How big around is the tubing? What type of material is it? What's the bell made out of? Or you could eventually put it back together and play the music. <laughs> it's very, actually very good. Because it's like I didn't know that there was a difference between a lot, you know, the size of the of the metal or the size of the tube, you know. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. that's 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 crazy because we do we get caught up in the details. We do we can get caught up. And the thing is, you know, once you understand a trombone and you've heard trombone music and you can play it, then you should know some of the other stuff. You should know what type of mouthpiece is best for you, right? And you should know whether you want the. Con 88H or the, you know, whatever model trombone you want, which my favorite Music is the Con 88H. Nerd. <laughs> and, you know, do you want one with an F attachment? I have a trombone with F attachment. I have one without an F attachment. I have a silver one without. I have a Rosie Bell with an F attachment. I have another trombone with two triggers on. Sorry, Dave. But you see, I like those details. Yeah. 
I love those details. But if I just became a super trombone nerd and all I cared about the details and I forgot about the music, you wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> so it'd be pretty much the same as now. Right. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no. So we take scripture as a whole, mm. but we remember that Jesus is the point. We read details in scripture, but we remember Jesus is the point. Amen. I read from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus is the point of it. I read one word in the book of Romans and I wrestle with that one word and I remember Jesus is the point of it. John chapter five, verse 36, Jesus says this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Mm. If there's nothing else you get today, just remember that. Jesus says you study scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Like you... You believe in God. You might even read the Bible sometimes. But those scriptures, the Bible is only there to testify about Jesus. Amen. That's it. That's why it's there. All right, let's go ahead and do a Bible contradiction. Bible contradiction. All right, is it good or bad to be wealthy? (laughs) Psalm 112, (laughs) 1 through 3 said, Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. Wealth and riches shall be his house. Okay, riches are really good there. Mm-hmm. Matthew nineteen twenty four. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Oh, what? That doesn't sound good at all. All right, our cracked acronym. We're going to use the D for dialect. Mm-hmm. We're going to use a C for context, mm-hmm. and we're going to use a C for credibility. Multifaceted interpretation. Right on. Here we go. It's multitasking. All right, the dialect. What types of words are being used here? All right, it says, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, wealth and riches be in his house. Right. So the man who what? Fears the the Lord. Lord. Okay, so what type of attitude does this person have? One of reverence for God. Reverence for God. Mm -hmm. They actually, they fear God. Mm -hmm. So even if God gives them wealth, are they going to use it inappropriately? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because... He fears God, so he's going to do what's right with his money, even if he gets a ton of it. Matthew 19, Jesus finishes by saying, this is the context, even though a rich man, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to go through a little tiny piece of a needle. Right. He says, but everything's possible with God. So the context suggests it could still happen, but even credibility, you know, sometimes riches were a blessing from God, and sometimes they're a hindrance. Mm-hmm. Candy is both a motivator for good behavior and a problem. Right. When you eat too much of it. Yep. I'd say the same is true of riches. This is why riches can be a blessing from God and a hindrance to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. They can bless you because you can do great things with them. And God can use your money to do great things, but it can also keep you from seeking God because you're too busy worrying about the money. This is why I actually think that riches are more dangerous than not. And Christians shouldn't make it their goal to be rich. Right. Well, not only that, but I mean, Jesus has plenty of times told a lot of people, sell everything you have and come follow me. Yeah, he told to the poor. He told the rich young ruler that. And uh, I don't think he was making that a condition of salvation for everybody. Right. But, but he was telling that guy, you got a heart problem. You want, you want your money more than you want me. Mm-hmm. And if we go back to what we're talking about today, Christ being the center of everything and every scripture pointing back to Christ... Well, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Okay, so this guy fears God, right? His whole life should point to Christ. And when wealth and riches come, those wealth and riches are going to be used to promote God's gospel, the gospel about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And if wealth makes it hard for you to come to Christ because you worry about money, 
because you focus on money, because you don't want to give your money away, then it's hard for you to get into the kingdom of God. It's hard for you to come to Christ. Money has become your obstacle. You need to get rid of your money. That's, and that's a hard thing to do for for someone who already has it, mm-hmm. you know, but for somebody who doesn't have it, yeah. you know, that's not a big deal for that's them. That's right. Or at the very, very minimum, you need to get, start giving away huge chunks of it so that your heart is not attached to it. That's the answer for Bible Contradiction. Bible Contradiction. Let's answer a question, Dave. All right. I got a question. All right. Question today is from Matt. Says, was early Christianity influenced by paganism? Ooh. Did Jesus use rich witchcraft for his miracles? I personally still, I personally do still believe Christ used God's power and is still God, therefore not using witchcraft. However, I know there are going to be listeners of your show uh, who have these questions and thoughts. I earnest, uh, I learned recently that the Jewish Talmud teaches that Jesus used witchcraft and therefore is a false, therefore is a false prophet. So that surely has influenced a lot of Jew- Judists who acknowledge the historical miracles of Jesus, but believe that it came from another demonic uh, source. Not many apologists touch on why Jesus didn't use witchcraft and the arguments against it. Okay, so did Jesus use witchcraft to do his miracles? Well, check out Matthew chapter 12. It says, when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, Beelzebub, that's the devil, the prince of demons, that this fellow, Jesus, drives out demons. Okay, so even during Jesus' lifetime, mm-hmm. Jesus was accused of using evil powers. Probably the best response that we can give to this is the response that Jesus gave. Matthew 12, 24 to 28. All right. Um, so 24. But the Pharisees heard this. They said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can this kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub... By whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. There's no way that Jesus, if he'd been using witchcraft or other evil, could have expected to accomplish anything if he was driving out evil and banishing it. He was upholding good and right things. The power Jesus used to command demons was the Spirit of God, God's own power, which can do anything and command anyone. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 12, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Amen. All right. And all the result of Jesus' ministry were holy, good. They were healing. Uh, he offered hope to people. It was forgiving. It was condemning evil. All good things. Everything that Jesus brought out or came out of Jesus was good. If you've been acting from witchcraft, it couldn't have had those end results right. that banned evil and brought all good things. All right, we're going to answer some more questions and talk more about the Christocentric view right after this. Do you know or are you a woman between 18 and 22 aging out of foster care or without a place to live? If your goal is to continue your education, whether it's a college degree or GED, the Hope House may be the place for you. Located in Salina, Kansas, Hope House is a beautiful home providing not only a place to live, but a place to grow. As a program of the Ashby House, Hope House provides dedicated volunteers and staff members who are there to help you accomplish your goals. If this sounds like it might be a place for you or someone you know, please visit HopeHouseKS.org. That's HopeHouseKS.org. 
Truth Shots from TruthRevolution.tv and Revolution Church. Here's your host, Dave, and Pastor Jeff. Was Adam the first human being whom God created a real person or just part of a story? I believe Adam was a real person, both for biblical reasons and because of the archaeological evidence. It's important to notice how closely related the Bible's description of our origins are with the evidence. Uh, For instance, archaeological and scientific evidence suggests humans originated around Ethiopia about 200,000 years ago. Yeah, and in Genesis too. It's talking about the land in the general area where humans came about. And it says one of the rivers, quote, winds through the entire land of Cush. So the Bible says the area was near Cush, not Ethiopia? No, Cush is the Hebrew word for Ethiopia. It's the same thing. Uh, Scientists have only discovered in the last decade that our human origins were there. But apparently the writers of the Bible knew thousands of years ago. The evidence suggests that the book of Genesis is not merely a story. TruthRevolution.tv Why should you go to church? You know, Jesus said we should be the church. But before then, the word church was used for business meetings. If you were there, you are part of the church because you were doing the work. Jesus didn't say, hey, everyone, show up for an hour and hang out. (laughs) Not at all. He said, be my church. Meaning, if you follow me, you should get together with other people who follow me and work together. So church is us coming together to do God's work together. www.revo.church That's R-E-V-O dot church. Do you love Truth Revolution? Of course they do, Dave. Well, if you do, or... Or if you appreciate the fact that thousands of people are being taught that Christianity is compatible with science and logic. Or if you simply love the fact that we hear from people often who say, This show changed my life. I love Jesus. Then consider a donation. You can visit truthrevolution.tv or Revolution Church and donate. We don't get paid from this show. But it's our goal to give, give truth, give knowledge, give encouragement. And your giving keeps all of our giving going. Why should you go to church? Part two. You probably have a lot of people in your life who you care about and they care about you. But imagine that relationship being God-focused, not just talking theoretically about him once in a while, but seriously. Both of you loving God more, asking each other, hey, what did you learn last week? And challenging each other because you know that you can both be what God wants you to be. That's part of what churches do. Come on out to Revolution Church. www.revo.church. That's R-E-V-O dot church. Revolution. And we're back. We're talking about the Christmas interview today. That's right. Uh, we answered a Bible contradiction and a listener question already. We did more in the first half than we usually do. Right. Usually we like camp on one little thing mm-hmm. and then we're like, oh no, the show's half over. We better get on with it. <laughs> right. And then we stretch it into two shows. <laughs> so here's where we left off with the Christocentric view. Remember, the Christocentric view is the idea that all of Scripture points at Jesus. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament leans into him, and the Old Testament points back at him. And one of the main reasons we say this is because of what Jesus said himself in John chapter 5. It says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very <sighs> scriptures that testify about me. Yeah, you study the scriptures diligently. Why? Because you think that in them, in those scriptures, you have eternal life. Jesus is like, but hey, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. He's like, why? Why do you read the Bible and ignore me? Why do you say, oh, I believe in God, but you don't talk about Jesus Christ? We should look at how Jesus lived and taught first, primarily with emphasis. Why would I look at the shadows and not the reality? Only then, when we look at the reality, only then can we understand further theological training elsewhere. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, understanding deeper things. 
let's say uh, we, we uh, if we focused on a movie star, but then a camera came to film the movie, and instead of focusing on the movie star, we were focused on the camera. We're like, oh my gosh, Tom Cruise's cameraman is here. And we're like, what kind of camera is it? What kind of film is it? What kind of, and we just look all about the camera and nothing about the movie star. Right? That'd be a little weird. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you were like a big digital camera guy, right. but like, that'd be a little bit weird. Our video guy right now is like, yeah, that'd be me. Or a guy that plays trombone. <laughs> right. But <laughs> for most people, it'd be weird if they were obsessing about the paparazzi's camera instead of the star that the camera right. was pointed at. Mm-hmm. Right. Likewise, it's kind of weird to be like, oh yeah, I believe the Bible and not focus on Jesus. Every book of the Bible exists to point at Jesus. Leviticus exists to get us to Jesus. Revelation exists to get you to Jesus. If you're one of those people who reads Revelation, the book of Revelation, and you just, you freak out, you think everything Donald Trump does or Barack Obama did is something in the book of Revelation. Right. Yeah. And you rarely or haven't as much talked about Christ as you have the end of the world, then you've missed the point. Right. And I think we've, I think we've been warned about focusing too much on other things. We should focus on Christ. Yeah. Jesus wants our focus on Christ. Let's not focus on where is the antichrist because I need to know because (laughs) I need to be prepared just in case. But if we, if we don't worry about all that stuff, and we focus on Christ, well, then our hearts will be prepared for that. And what does it matter that this body will be destroyed anyway? Yeah. Because we know where we go. Right. And yeah, you know, we wouldn't want to say, don't know that other stuff. Right. Or don't think about it or don't learn it. No, I mean, it's in there for us to learn. But the point of learning that is to push us back to Jesus. Amen. He's the point. Okay, uh, we would say to properly understand scripture, we must see Jesus as the pinnacle of both old and New Testaments. And all scripture is pointing towards Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as the way of life for us and the way of belief Mm -hmm. for us. If we can't see Jesus' life as the zenith of scripture, we're most likely going to pick and choose certain parts of the Bible to focus on instead of understanding the whole picture. Right. Like, pretty simply, we see Jesus as the most crystal clear example of how to live, of what to believe. And every other piece of the Bible, every other piece of your life should be reconciled with what Jesus said instead of ignoring it when other values seem to conflict. When there's something in my life and I think, oh yeah, God's probably cool with me. Well, I have to compare my life to Jesus' life and see if God's cool with that or not. Right. That's huge. It is. All right. So uh, what do you say we answer a listener question? Okay. I got a question. All right. Find a listener question here. Uh, let's see. <laughs> um, okay. You okay there? I'm. Ha- How about the one that Andy asked? All right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Just a lot of paper here. I was flipping through. Yeah. Andy says, I was listening to y'all's radio station the other day and uh, on our local radio station, and something y'all said kind of bothered me. Uh, is Andy from Texas? Something. <laughs> y'all. Y- y'all said you don't, that you believe that the earth was not 6,000 years old, but millions or billions of years old. As well as you believe that the earth was not flooded in Noah's flood, that is that it was a local flood. I'm curious why you believe that to be. Okay, well, before we even answer this question, which we've talked about this quite a bit on the show, we absolutely believe that Scripture, the Bible, mm-hmm. is our highest source of truth. All right, we have to go to there. If it's inerrant and it's infallible, 
We have to treat it as such, which we think it is. So thank you for asking the question. Um, now, we've done a number of shows on this. We're going to, if you go to truthrevolution.tv on this show, we'll link to the other places. We've done truth shots with our 60 second things. We've done full shows on it. Why mm. the earth is old, who we think Adam was, uh, our view on the flood. We've done a couple shows on the flood, a number of stuff on the old earth. Uh, but a couple, a couple reasons on both of those. When you read the book of Genesis and you come into God did this on the first day and this on the second day. That word day is the word yom, which means time period, not literal 24 hour period. In addition, the miracles that there are different types of miracles. You'll find this on the other show. So I won't go into depth, but the miracles that God uses, some of them are poof miracles. Poof. God Mm -hmm. said, boom, let there be light. And boom, there was light. Other miracles that God did are creation coming to fruition miracles. So God said, let, the earth produced vegetation right? and time crossed the process passed. Right. the process happened and the earth produced vegetation. So when you read the Hebrew, it become, it looks a lot less clear than when you read the English. Cause right. in English, for some reason we chose to translate the word yom as day, the first day, the second day, instead of time period, which they almost always would translate it like a time period, an epic. So it should be the, there was day and evening, the first time period there was, there was day and evening, the second epic, the third epic. And the day of an evening thing was just a, an idiom to describe the closing of work and right. the beginning of work. And then you read the other uh, adjectives and descriptions, and it really becomes clear that this couldn't have happened in just 24 hours. And, uh, and on and on, there's a lot of other things too. Plus, you have to take the Bible as a whole. And there's other verses that would indicate that it wasn't a 24-hour time period. But to get to those, you have to listen to other shows. As far as the flood goes... You have in Genesis, God saying uh, things like uh, the the famine in land where, where Joseph was in Egypt. Mm-hmm. It says the famine was throughout the whole world and people from all around the world came to Joseph to get food. Really? Do we think the people from Peru at that time <laughs> no. came to get food from Joseph? No, we understand. On, on slow boats though, they died on the way. <laughs> right. No, we understand that he was talking about his local area. In fact, the Bible later defines all of the world as that local area. Mm -hmm. It it really does if you read the stories. So uh, we know that the Bible uses, like in our cracked acronym, D for dialect, poetic, exaggerated, hyperbolic information or or adjectives just to describe the severity of these issues. So, um, and then there's other, other verses that would lead us to indicate that the flood wasn't the entire globe, but certain, certain areas. Although we wouldn't say other Christians are uh, in violation of God's word for believing those things. You right. can certainly believe that. Uh, we just, that's not how we would interpret it. Absolutely. One more question, Dave. Okay. I got a question. All right. People often say to me, yes, I can't do foster care. It would break my heart. Yeah. People do say this to me. Yeah. You can't do foster care. It would break your heart. Okay. Well, um, Reason number 27 to do foster care. <laughs> he has a list. Is that it will be incredibly difficult and it will break your heart. That's why you should do it. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, all you got to do is read Romans chapter 5 or James chapter 5. Mm-hmm. Okay? Romans 5 or James 5. And what does it tell us there? It tells us that suffering and difficulty for doing what is right eventually produces blessings and maturity. Got that? Blessings and maturity come from suffering for doing right. You're going to suffer. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It will be heartbreaking if you do foster care. 
and God will bless you for it. Amen. And you will be more mature, mature because of it, provided you handle this in a godly way. So I say get your church around you. Help them prepare you. Get friends who will be on board and say, I got your back when things get rough. Right. And then you do foster care and you hit your knees and you pray. Or at the very least, you find people who are doing it and you say, I've got your back. I'll babysit for free. I'll come mow your lawn. I'm going to do, I'm going to bring you a meal once a month or something to say, I'm going to invest in here, even though it's going to be heartbreaking for me at some point. Right. And uh, that kind of touches on a point that I was getting ready to make is that even if you find yourself unable somehow, like you get turned down for foster care, mm-hmm. there are so so many other ways that you can support foster care. Like you said, go help them mow their lawn, you know, pray for them, you know, on a daily basis, because yes. believe me, they need it. Yeah. And uh, pray for the kids and, and then, you know, buy groceries, do uh-huh. do things that will help that family that's doing foster care. Oh yeah. You could buy groceries for the foster family. Mm-hmm. You could just offer to babysit the kids once a month or twice a month. Yeah. I mean, that would be a massive blessing because a lot of foster parents have a lot of kids and it's very intense and to find a babysitter costs a lot of money and it costs time to find someone who's willing to do it. But just knowing that someone would be willing to babysit the kids for two or three hours once a month, right? that would be a huge blessing to the family. Then that, that mother and father would be able to work on their marriage relationship Absolutely. and build that foundation together that they need to do. Uh, you could do that. You could bring them groceries. You could bring them a meal once a month. You could... Uh, Offer to mow their lawn. Like Dave said, you could pray for them and let them know you're praying for them. Uh-huh. You could sign up to be a CASA, court appointed special advocate, where you go advocate on behalf of these kids. You could find some uh, foster kids and decide to help be a mentor to them or some adopted kids and say, I'm going to speak into that kid's life. I'm just going to take that kid out for lunch once a month and just, just tell them what God's doing in my life and listen to what God's doing in their life and just be a godly example. Kids need people in their life who love Jesus who aren't their parents. Amen. They do. So there's a lot of things you can do. So thanks for listening to this truthevolution.tv. Remember, Jesus is the point of every scripture you read. Every action you make should be Christ-focused. Thanks for listening. Come on out to Revolution Church. We would so love to have you. We're not about judging people for what they wear or what they think. We just want you to know God and let God get a hold of you and change you. Amen. You need Jesus. There's no other way to heaven except from his forgiveness because he paid for your sins on the cross. Come to Jesus. Come out to church.